0: Hello and welcome to Power Pro's podcast episode 168. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is this week's special guest co-host, CJ, Chris Johnston.
1: Hey there, Chris, the Hoff. It has been a while, but thank you so much for having me back.
0: It is indeed, it has been a while, and I'm glad to have you joining me this week. Pete, it seems, has fled the country temporarily, so he is <laughs> not available this week, and things have just been crazy busy around here. But yes, I am glad to have you on, I'm glad to once again be talking about what's going on in the world of Nintendo. And by that, of course, I mean some game impressions, some news, and then this week's big topic, which is going to be about Nintendo indie collaborations.
1: Ho, ho, ho. yes, a lot of Nintendo news this week.
0: Yes, indeed. However, before we get to that, let us kick things off with some game impressions, starting with a game that I have been waiting to see on Nintendo systems for a long, long time, as in like 20 years plus (laughs) long time. And if that doesn't give it away, we are talking about Final Fantasy VII finally arriving on Nintendo Switch. This is, of course, one of the most acclaimed RPGs of all time, Finally on Nintendo Hardware. Famously, it was one of the games that could only be done on CD and kind of forced Square's hand to abandon Nintendo and side with PlayStation way back in the beginning of the 32-bit era. But finally, at long last, it is here on Nintendo. This is the game that changed RPGs from cute top-down adventures into full-blown cinematic experiences. Finally, it is here for us all to play.
1: And I noticed as well that the launch trailer continued... The uh, tradition of only showing basically cutscenes and no gameplay for Final Fantasy 7, <laughs> which was, of course, back in the day when it was originally re- released on PlayStation, that was, uh, that was what they used to market the game hmm yeah.
0: yeah, I haven't checked out the trailer yet myself, but I did download it and I did start playing as soon as I was able to. Uh, did you pick this one up yourself, CJ?
1: I did not. I, so Final Fantasy VI is one of my favorite RPGs ever. Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. not so much. And then uh, I pick, pick it back up with Nine. really. I, I enjoyed the game for what it offered back in the day, but uh, it's not one that I look too fondly back at so i'm i'm skipping this one but i assume that you uh have fond memories of final fantasy 7 that is
0: yes i enjoyed it quite a bit and i think in a lot of ways it still holds up hmm. i mean in some regards, you know, things do feel pretty archaic, but in a lot of ways, it's still very, very fun. Specifically, the gameplay is very accessible. The active time battles that have been around since the 16-bit days are still present in this game, and they are still some of my favorite battle systems in any RPG. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, sort of turn-based and menu-based, but when you take that turn, is based on your character's speed, and so you get to attack or cast your spell or whatever, you know, as this turn gauge fills up. And I just find that to be very intuitive, very user-friendly. Also, the materia system in this game for character growth, I think, is deep enough for solid character customization, but easy enough for anybody to grasp. You just equip the materia, it gives you abilities, and it levels up automatically as you earn AP. There's no complicated job systems or skill trees or allocating ability points. Not that there's anything wrong with systems like those, but this is just very streamlined and accessible, much in the way that Final Fantasy VI was, I would say.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you know Square has obviously moved away from the simplistic systems of uh, this sort of era of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm right there with you. I love that sort of simplicity, but there's something of it about the game that uh, that never really uh, struck a chord with me, unlike uh, Final Fantasy IX and VI.
0: Well, I mean, there are some things that don't hold up quite as well. I would say the visuals is certainly one of those. These are 32-bit PlayStation-era pre-rendered backgrounds that have been blown up for modern HD systems, and they are very blurry, and the character models are super primitive. So while they're is some charm to these character designs and you do get used to them you should definitely be warned Hmm. you are probably going to be in for a shock if you are expecting anything even remotely resembling modern
1: graphical quality right right this does have some quality of life improvements though as well like a fast forward feature and a couple of other things to make it uh, easier to play
0: through Yes, there are. You can change the speed so it runs in triple speed. You can also press a sort of cheat button at any time during battles to restore your health and magic and max out your limit gauge. And then you can also turn off all random encounters, which Ah. I don't necessarily recommend if you're trying to actually level up your character. But is good if you're like wandering around trying to solve some puzzle and don't want to get interrupted by enemies constantly.
1: Right. Well, that's pretty good it, for those who just want to play it for nostalgia's sake and may not necessarily want to grind. Those features are nice to have, for sure.
0: Yeah, yes they are. And I don't think this was a game that was terribly hard to begin with or anything like that, but it can certainly be convenient for speeding up the process or for taking on some of the more difficult bosses or something like that. hmm I'll also warn that the story is a bit hard to follow and is sort of nonsensical in a lot of ways. I mean, (laughs) that's always been the case, but if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII before and you're going into it expecting like the greatest thing ever, be warned, the story is just kind of super bizarre.
1: Right. (laughs) I don't remember anything about it except for the one spoiler moment that everybody knows. (laughs)
0: Well, yes, there's definitely that, but there's a lot of things that seem just kind of weird and contradictory and some dialogue pops up on occasion. You're like, what is that even doing there? I don't, I don't get it. (laughs) So while the story is a little wonky, I do really like the characters though. I mean, this is where Cloud came from before he was in Smash Brothers. This is where he got his start and I do rather like him. And he's joined by Eris, the magically inclined flower merchant. Tifa, the martial artist bar owner. Barrett, who is kind of a Mr. T wannabe with a machine gun for an arm. Red 13, who's essentially a talking dog. You can never go wrong with a talking dog. Mm, true. Sid, who is a grumpy old pilot. Kate Sith, uh, basically a talking cat. So we got you know both animals covered there. Mm. Full spectrum. Yuffie the ninja and Vincent, who's sort of like a vampire gunslinger type of character. Uh, Now, I know you're not the biggest fan. Do you have any favorite characters in this game, CJ? Well, no, not really. I liked Red (laughs) Thirteen. Yeah, he is always in my party. Yeah. If I have the full cast assembled and I'm just going out there just trying to enjoy myself, I'll probably go with Cloud, Tifa, and Red Thirteen as my party, everything else being equal. That's a good choice. Anyway, this game definitely has some flaws. It does show its age, but personally, I'm finding it really fun. I think it's a great entry point into RPGs because it is so accessible and still gives sort of a decent challenge. Uh, Like we were talking about, there are these new quality of life improvements that make it even more accessible than it was before, and I do think that there is plenty of depth to the story, even if it does get a little bit wonky. I have not played this game in ages, I'm not even out of Midgar yet, but You know, I'm finding tons of neat story details and locations and encounters that I don't remember. And I'm having a blast playing it so far. It was only 16 bucks. Once my eyes got accustomed to the uh, low quality Hmm. backgrounds and low polygon visuals, I was definitely having a great time. So, you know, I think it is a great thing for people to try if they've been wondering what all the fuss is about after all these years you
1: can play the original on Switch and prepare yourself for the supposed remake that uh, Square announced, and of course, uh, many years ago, and has never actually uh, been shown since, and we have no release date.
0: Indeed, indeed. We'll see if that one ever actually does emerge. I'm not going to be holding my breath for that one. Me neither. Well, since you haven't been playing that, CJ, uh, is there anything you have been playing on Switch recently?
1: Yes. In fact, a game came out this week called Gems of War. This Mm -hmm. is a free-to-play match three RPG. Mm,
0: Free-to-play. Scary.
1: From the makers of Puzzle Quest. So if you played Puzzle Quest back in uh, the day, uh, this is basically the same type of thing. It's a story-based game. Uh, Since it's free-to-play, of course, there are some microtransactions that are optional, But Gems of War has been out on other platforms, including mobile and other consoles as well. And uh, they finally brought it to Switch. So if you are craving a Match 3 RPG in the same vein as Puzzle Quest,
0: it's a free download and uh, it's tons of fun. Okay, well, I am definitely not craving one of those, but for (laughs) anyone else who is, I guess it sounds like a reasonable choice, and you really can't go wrong with the price, eh?
1: That's true. That's very true. And they have uh, weekly events and different things to participate in, so it's a little bit more like a mobile game, but the gameplay itself holds up really well and uh, plays exactly like Puzzle Quest, which I was addicted to 10 or 15 years ago now.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Is it that old? Man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know it certainly had a lot of fans. Anyway, excellent. Good to know. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah. And I've also been playing uh, this little game that came out on Switch in February. So it's uh, not completely fresh, but uh, it's still new-ish. Mm-hmm. It's called Farm Together. Farm Together. And it's sort of a farming game in the same vein as a Farmville or similar. Okay. But it's very simplistic uh, in terms of what you do. So you basically plant and harvest crops and livestock and fish and trees and all this other stuff. You set up little shops for your wares. And there's no downside to anything, though. So you can plant things and they don't go bad or... Uh, You aren't uh, sort of limited on, uh, you know, when you can harvest them. Um, You can water your plants. And uh, the hook of the game is that it's an online farming game where up to seven other people can join your farm lobby Hmm. and help out in various ways. So you can give them permissions to do whatever you think might need doing on your farm. And uh, you can join other people's farms and help them as well. You get a little bit of a bonus for uh, helping other people when you go back to your farm. So it's, uh, it's really sort of a communal experience and it's pretty fun. Hmm. Lots of stuff to unlock, lots of crops to plant, uh, an absolutely huge farm that you unlock uh, blocks of as you level up. And I'm playing with my daughter. So we play online and we go back and forth between her farm and my farm and uh, we are having a lot of fun with it. It's very cooperative, very collaborative, and super fun. And it's like twenty bucks on the eShop. Okay. And it's a Nintendo Switch online game. It is not cross platform. Yeah, not no cross platform play, but as long as you're on in the same ecosystem, uh, you can play with other Switch owners.
0: Okay. Well I have one important question for you. Sure. Does it feature Capybara's? bars?
1: <laughs> I have not unlocked them, but it does have unicorns uh, that were, hmm. they were introduced in an event, so this is uh, you know an online community and they add uh, content every month or so, so it's very possible that they will add capybaras uh, at some point, and when they do, I
0: will let you know. Okay, well until then, I think I'll be sticking to Story of Seasons, True of Towns, but uh, I'll definitely keep it in mind. Excellent. Okay, well, why don't we move along then and discuss a little bit of news. And first up in the news, last week we didn't have a show, but Nintendo did have a new Nindies presentation. There was all kinds of new stuff unveiled during that presentation. I think now would be a great time to talk about that.
1: Sounds good to me. Uh, Yeah, what a great time to talk about Nindies and uh, they've done this style of presentation, I think, almost every GDC for the last, uh, this is the third one, I think,
0: that they did. Yeah, it seems like it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Good time to talk about indies, and uh, I really enjoyed the way that they kicked this uh, presentation off. The The lead title.
0: Yes, yes, I agree. They started off with Cuphead.
1: An Xbox exclusive uh, that came out on Steam as well, is
0: finally coming to Switch. Yes, yes it is, and that is a game that looked really, really cool to me, and I always wanted to play, but unfortunately I do not own an Xbox One, I don't really play games on PC, so I didn't think I was ever going to get a chance, but lo and behold, we are getting it, and yes, this is a 2D action game that looks like a vintage 30s Mickey Mouse cartoon, beautifully animated, very whimsical, sort of has this desaturated color palette and watercolor backgrounds and a grainy texture to everything, and just these very super expressive characters and all these exaggerated movements, you know, big goofy grins on the anthropomorphic villains and heroes. It just looks nuts.
1: It really does. I oh, I do own an Xbox and a PC, and I do game on those platforms, but I had not purchased Cuphead. Oh, crazy. So I decided to pre-purchase it on Switch, uh, in part because I've heard that it is uh, a very difficult platformer. Yep, I've heard that too. It was originally designed as a Boss Rush-style game, and then they expanded the scope and added platforming levels, and I've heard it's really tough as nails. So <laughs> yes. I think uh, being able to play it on the go is a good idea play it in short bursts perhaps uh to sort of help my frustration level
0: <laughs> now for me i'm definitely playing it on the big screen when there's something that's really tough like that i like to have as much screen real estate mm. to see what's going on as i possibly can but yeah from what i've heard it is very very challenging and it looks to be chock full of jumping and dodging and shooting and lots of pattern-based gameplay you know The stuff they show, you know, you're riding giant crabs and shooting mermaids, fighting humongous cats and a skeleton on a train, uh, dodging playing cards, blasting dragons, then you're walking on the ceiling and all that stuff. It just looks, you know, very, very imaginative, really, really beautiful. And I can't wait to finally give it a try when it comes out on April 18th.
1: Same here. I cannot wait to play it.
0: All right. And then the other really, really huge announcement that came out of this Nindies, I would say, is, okay, going to take a deep breath here and try to say, Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring the Legend of Zelda. I don't think it's the longest title I've ever said, but it, it's up there. It's up there.
1: <laughs> Certainly. Yes.
0: But yeah, as the title sort of explains, it is a crossover between Crypt of the Necrodancer and The Legend of Zelda. It's by Brace Yourself Games and the publishers at Spike Chunsoft. And yeah, basically it takes the gameplay of Crypt of the Necrodancer and it brings in all of these characters and elements from The Legend of Zelda. Now, I've never actually played Crypt of the Necrodancer, but this really has my attention.
1: Yeah, I've barely played it. So it was on sale on PlayStation this week for $3, so I picked it up. Oh, wow. Uh, Very curious to see uh, how it plays. I have not had a chance to spend much time with it, but I really liked how this trailer looked. And it was a very short trailer that didn't really uh, give you a whole lot of hint on the gameplay. That's true. It's a
0: rhythm-based sort of uh, dungeon crawler. Yes, Uh, yes, I think that's right. Apparently everything you do, your moves and attacks and all that stuff has to be done sort of to the rhythm. Right. And I don't really understand how that's going to work. It sounds kind of weird and difficult to me, but yes, that's what the hook is.
1: Yeah, it sounds weird and difficult to me as well. But uh, the graphics look great. And the music, of course, the remix music uh, from the Zelda series sounds so, so good. So I will definitely be buying this one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
0: you put The Legend of Zelda in there, and I'll probably be in it for anything. But yeah, yeah. it's got 25 musical tracks from The Legend of Zelda. The one they were featuring prominently in the trailer was from Link's Awakening. That's probably not a coincidence with the remake coming up later this year. Mm. But in addition to all that great music, there's enemies like Moblins and Wizrobes and Like-Likes and lionels. And then you can play as both Link and Zelda. I love it. Yeah.
1: And I think my daughter's going to be happy about that, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you don't very get to cool. play as Zelda in very many Zelda games. So no, you don't. That is pretty neat. Uh, another interesting thing about this game is that it does have a lot of randomly generated elements. Both the overworld and the dungeons are said to be random.
1: That's excellent. Makes it uh, infinitely replayable.
0: It does. I mean, I'm always a little cautious about that, because sometimes it can lead to games being not as compelling as they could be otherwise. But I'm still going to keep an open mind about this one.
1: Yeah, I've heard great things about uh, the original game, Crypt of the Necro Dancer, So I'm, you know, optimistic about this one.
0: Well, you can give the original a spin and uh, be yes. all prepared for when Cadence of Hyrule hits this spring. I will be doing that. The third game that really stood out to me in this event was Blaster Master Zero Two from the folks at Intercreates and Sunsoft.
1: A shadow dropped game. I always love those. Yeah,
0: the game is actually already out there right now. And if I had time, I would have absolutely downloaded it and started playing it. I just haven't had a chance yet, but I will soon. It's still a mix of top-down action and side-view vehicle stages. Apparently, now you get to visit various planets. There are new characters. There are new power-ups. You have a newly enhanced vehicle by the name of G-Sophia. And uh, yeah, I mean, InterCreates makes great-looking games. They make great playing games. I'm really looking forward to giving this one a spin.
1: Me too. Uh, Blaster Master Zero was one of the early Switch eShop games.
0: Yes, yes, it was. Came up pretty close to launch.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I finished that game actually on Switch, and uh, I having need to do that, I, I wasn't even the the person that even came close to finishing the original blaster master but i finished this and uh really had a lot of fun with it and you know the original zero was sort of a pseudo remake of the first blaster master game it
0: sort of started out as a remake but then as you played it the further you got the less of a remake it was that's right so i'm looking
1: forward to seeing you know what they do with a clean slate and mm-hmm. uh seeing you know how
0: they advance the gameplay yep me too So was there anything else in the Nindy's presentation that especially stood out to you? Uh, Well, I would like to mention Katana
1: Zero that comes out in middle of April. Yep, April 18th. That game uh, being published by Devolver Digital, and it's developed by uh, the guy, I don't know if we have any Flash gamers listening, but uh, the guy who did Pause Ahead very really interesting flash game uh is doing katana zero and uh this game just looks so good uh, has fast action and i think it's one of the standout indies from this presentation for sure the graphics are great uh it's sort of like a combat puzzle game it seems like because you only have one try you uh star as the samurai that uses a katana to wield some justice yes you are an assassin i believe you're an assassin yes and you have basically one shot to get through the levels it has some puzzle elements to it and if you do happen to take a hit you can uh, very quickly rewind and try again and uh, it looks super super
0: fun yeah it does look pretty crazy Uh, Apparently you're deflecting bullets and going in slow-mo and just sort of, you know, dashing from one enemy to the next. Killing them all. But uh, yeah, as you implied, uh, you have to be very fast and accurate because you die in one hit.
1: Yes, indeed. Also the Iditarod game, The Red Lantern looks very interesting i don't really know <laughs> much about uh the gameplay itself mm-hmm. they had a lot of shots of you steering uh, a team of dogs over a snowy landscape mm-hmm. but the trailer somehow just really like got to me it sort of reminds me of firewatch in a way and i guess uh part of that is the narrative uh you know the main character speaking uh, narrating the story uh it just seems like this is a re- Really interesting game to come out for Switch, sort of an unexpected unexpected game.
0: Yeah, it's definitely unlike anything else that I've seen on the system. It certainly looks very unique. I'm kind of worried because a lot of the environments seem so big and empty. Mm. But, you know, then again, suddenly here comes a bear and it's mauling you. And that certainly uh, mixes things up.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. And this also sort of has some uh, procedurally generated elements to it. So uh, yep, that's true. Lead to some interesting encounters for sure.
0: Yeah, I am, uh, I guess, cautiously optimistic about that one.
1: Yeah. And the last one I'll bring up is uh, Double Fine's announcement of Rad. Right. And this one I I find uh, particularly interesting because it's being directed by Lee Petty, who uh, did Stacking and Headlander. And Headlander was actually a game that I worked on while I worked at Adult Swim Games. Oh, right. And uh, got to know Lee quite a bit. And the team that's working on Rad uh, is quite a few people from Headlander. So I'm very much looking forward to their next project. This is sort of a, a roguelike in a apocalyptic future that is very inspired mm-hmm. by the 1980s. And you star as a sort of boy character who is able to take on mutations.
0: Yes, you can like turn into a snake or spout wings or grow an arm that's made of fire or something like that
1: that's right and even like uh little babies <laughs> yes <laughs> like little baby minions that'll go out and attack for you and it was playable at gdc i didn't get to play it unfortunately but oh bummer it looked very interesting and anything that uh, that team makes is is bound to be good mm-hmm. so i i signed up for the uh there's a beta on pc that i signed up for but it's coming to basically every platform and i'll be sure to play it on switch
0: Nice. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Anything from Double Fine, I am definitely very, very interested in. It is supposed to be out this summer, and it does indeed look very promising.
1: Yeah. I actually was able to play the Stranger Things 3 game as well at GDC.
0: Oh, okay. Now, that one I find interesting because it is, of course, based on a very popular netflix property yeah but i wasn't really sure what to think based on the footage it's an isometric 16-bit style action game i know you can change between characters and beat up enemies and solve some puzzles yep but you know when i think about you know good 16-bit licensed action games it's never anything like that
1: <laughs> you're right you're right but this uh it sort of reminded me of zombies at my neighbor's quite a okay. bit, although a thing. it's got more adventure elements as well, so there's some light puzzle solving in there as well, yep. uh, in addition to combat. So yeah, the different characters have different attacks, and you can uh, charge up uh, special attacks as well. There are uh, boss encounters. It's really interesting, and it's uh, two players split screen, okay, simultaneous, and that uh, leads to some interesting sort of puzzle solving mechanics as well, where one player has to flip a switch and let another player through an area and flip another switch. So it was in the short demo that I played, there was some of that. But the demo that they had was uh, constructed as a sort of non-spoiler demo, so it didn't actually have any elements or any story spoilers from Stranger Things 3 in it. Oh, uh, okay. But very interesting. And the developer, Bonus XP, did a game based on Stranger Things for mobile. There's a free Stranger Things game yeah. on mobile that uh, people can check out if if you want to see what Bonus XP has done with the license before. And it's actually like a really interesting sort of retro-styled uh, puzzle action game as well. Uh, a little bit different than... The Stranger Things 3 game, but uh, still really fun and worth checking out.
0: Okay, cool. Good to know. Yeah, my one little regret about this game is that, you know, why is it 16-bit style and not 8-bit NES style? That seems much more appropriate for the license, but oh well, what you gonna do?
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. I agree.
0: At any rate, it's supposed to be out on July 4th. Indeed. A couple others that caught my eye were Overland, which is coming this fall from a company called Finji. It is an isometric, procedurally generated turn-based strategy game. It is another post-apocalyptic game. That seems like kind of the running theme from this dindies. Everything is post-apocalyptic and procedurally generated for some reason (laughs) Uh, normally that's a big turnoff for me but this game you know in particular looked really interesting it's supposed to have a lot of choices you're making this long journey to the west to try to get out of the apocalyptic landscape but you know even though it has all these things are kind of turnoffs it just seems very very intriguing to me and so for whatever reason i am very curious to see more about this one
1: yeah, the graphic style is very striking. Mm-hmm. And the developers, Finji, also worked on Cannibalt. I don't know if you remember that sort of endless runner uh, from the late 2000s. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> very very popular and really, really good production values. So, uh, yeah. And this team has been working on Overland for at least two years because I uh, okay. looked back and saw initial trailers dating back two years. So,
0: yeah. All right. That is cool. My Friend Pedro, which is coming out in June, also seems pretty neat. I mean, it seems kind of redundant with Katana Zero in there. They're both these uh, assassination-type games. Mm. This one seems a lot more uh, goofy and violent. <laughs> and, I mean, you've got a talking banana in there as one of the main characters. It seems very, very inspired by Deadpool. It was looking cool when they first showed it many months ago. It still looks cool now.
1: Absolutely, and I think this is based on a Flash series as well. Oh, I was unaware of that. Quite a few years ago, yeah. My friend Pedro is, uh, is a, a Flash game from a while back, but this looks nothing like that. It's completely remade. Obviously, some of the gameplay is uh, similar, but this looks much better than uh, the original that I played. And yeah, talking banana, how can you go wrong? <laughs> Can't.
0: Indeed. Then there is Creature in the Well, which is set for release this summer. That is a sword-swinging, top-down action game, but with pinball play mechanics. And, you know, I'm an old-school gamer. I do like pinball. And yeah, you're apparently knocking projectiles into targets and off of bumpers and things like that. I mean, I guess there are 15 weapons, but it seemed like everything in the trailer was just involving this sword. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a very weird-sounding concept, but it certainly is also appealing to me as well.
1: Yeah. Same here. It has a really unique look to it. And yeah, your sword is the flipper Yes, in the pinball mechanics. So we've had some games where your character is the ball Mm -hmm. and now we have where you're controlling the flipper as a sword. And I love it.
0: Definitely a new take on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then there is also Blood Roots. Coming this summer from Paper Cult, this is a top-down action game where you use environmental objects to just beat the crap out of a slew of enemies. Just <laughs> everything you can find, use it to beat the bad guys. Barrels, trees, ladders, whatever. In a way, it kind of reminded me of Tony Hawk, the way he's just sort of jumping around the environment from one thing to the next. Uh, plus, you play as a bearded guy with a wolf on his head. So, uh, Oh, yeah. This one looked
1: great <laughs> That is a really fun art style and yeah lots of mayhem i love that
0: yeah it's really too bad that pete is not on the show this week because the main character looks pretty much exactly like him
1: <laughs> awesome
0: then in addition to all of those there were a handful of other games we'll just run down really quick neocab coming this summer where you drive a taxi around a cyberpunk city and sort of learn everybody's stories we didn't really learn much about the gameplay but it certainly seems different there is Darkwood coming in May from Crunching Koala and Acid Wizard, which is a top down horror game, another procedurally generated one. Pine coming from Twirlbound this August, which is sort of this open world 3D action-adventure game. looks very, very ambitious where there's like, uh, you know, these factions of crocodile people and fox people and moose people all like battling for survival. It kind of reminds me of uh, Breath of the Wild in some aesthetic respects.
1: Yeah, I got the same feeling from the trailer. It was very Breath of the
0: Wild. Yeah, I mean, I would find it very hard to imagine that an indie studio can pull off that same type of uh, depth and quality, but, you know, it's certainly impressive to see that's what they're going for. Mm Mm-hmm. Then there is Swim Sanity, coming this summer from Decoy Games, which is a 2D shooter set underwater. It has an adventure mode, as well as five types of versus modes. And then we're getting a whole bunch of stuff from Vlambeer. We're getting Super Crate Box, which is a sprite art arcade-style action shooter, Nuclear Throne, which is another gritty, post-apocalyptic, top-down, procedurally generated (laughs) action game.
1: (laughs) Nothing wrong with that.
0: And then there is Ultra Bugs, which is sort of like a modern take on Space Invaders, as best I could tell.
1: Yeah, and they said that this was the first installment of a Vlambeer arcade-style uh, release, so that sounds interesting.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. That does sound very, very promising. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not like the hugest fan of mobile games, but some of my favorite mobile games do come from Vlambeer, so that's all stuff definitely worth looking forward to. Absolutely. So moving along from the nindy's presentation. Well, actually, this is a uh, indie title as well, but the folks over at WayForward announced earlier this week that there is a brand new Shantae game on the way to Switch, as well as other platforms.
1: Shantae 5. And I believe this is part of the Apple Arcade service as well. So
0: Yes, yes, it is. But also coming to Switch and all the consoles also.
1: And no Kickstarter this time. They've got it in development and it's coming out. Yep. It's great.
0: Yes, it is. Supposed to be out sometime later this year. I absolutely loved Shantae Half Genie Hero. I kickstarted that and have played through it several times on several platforms. That was really, really great. And so I am very much looking forward to Shantae 5, which is the working title, I believe, even though they really haven't said anything about it. The one thing we do know is that in the teaser art they put out there, it shows the main character, Shantae, from sort of a watery background. So I'm kind of hoping that uh, maybe this will be the return of Squid Baron. We can see you know, Shantae versus Squid Baron in the ultimate final showdown that Squid Baron has been demanding for the last several years. If you're a fan of Shantae, you totally know what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> I don't remember that one. But I do like the Shantae games, so I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, it should be really, really cool. And then... Just uh, earlier today, as we record this, there was another sort of huge indie announcement, a game called Cyber Shadow. It is being made by Yacht Club Games and Mechanical Head, and it is this 8-bit looking cyborg ninja action game coming to Switch that kind of looks like Shadow of the Ninja and The Messenger combined into one. In particular, it's got this really cool slashing dash mechanic that... Reminds me of the messenger. Uh, also, uh, the aforementioned katana zero, where you're sort of you know zipping mm. from one enemy to the next, and zipping from one object to another, just you know slashing through enemies and stringing all your attacks together. But really, this just looks like a really, really cool eight-bit action game.
1: It does. The animation is fantastic. The color palette is you know true to eight-bit NES style. Uh, it looks absolutely fantastic. I guess the developer had been working on this game for quite some time and had not considered a publisher until Yacht Club Games uh, came up to him and offered their assistance. And that's a fantastic story right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course, who, who better than the Shovel Knight folks to help a game like this come to fruition? It looks great. And uh, it's a great little story and I'm looking forward to it. I have no idea why this didn't get included in the, uh, in the Nindies presentation. That would have been perfect, but maybe maybe we had uh, too many ninja action games. Uh, You can never have too many of those. So (laughs) Uh,
0: no, I don't think so, especially not one that looks like this. I mean, this I would have, you know, Put as one of the top highlights of the Ninja's event if it had been on there. Yeah, but so. yeah, in addition to just you know, traditional ninja action, there are at least seven special moves you can acquire, like a downward thrust and a shield and some manner of projectiles. And if you know the trail you can even ride a motorcycle. Oh, nice yeah Hmm. yeah so it's got lots of obstacles and spikes and big old boss monsters like a giant screen-filling robot and a mechanical dragon and something called the laser brain and something called the cyber monster it just sounds totally crazy and over the top and that's exactly what i want out of a game like this they have not given a release date yet but it's only going to be 15 bucks and i can't wait to try it out
1: me too it's going to be i guess on every platform but i'll be picking it up on switch for sure
0: yep i am certainly all about the switch version Uh, Moving on from there, uh, some other really cool news that has dropped fairly recently is that Konami is bringing out not one, not two, but three 50th anniversary collections to multiple platforms, including Nintendo Switch. It's
1: like a virtual console, but reborn in these collections.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And all starts on April 18th with the anniversary collection Arcade Classics game, which includes mostly arcade shooters, Scramble, Twin Twinbee, Nemesis, aka Gradius, Vulcan Venture, aka Gradius 2, Haunted Castle, Life Force, aka Salamander, hmm. Thundercross, and Ajax, aka Typhoon.
1: That's a pretty good collection right there. That's a strong one.
0: Yeah, lots of good stuff there. I mean, they could almost do just a plain Gradius collection on its own. They certainly could, I would say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's going to be cool getting the arcade versions of all of these.
1: Absolutely. I I previously purchased uh, Gradius Deluxe Pack on PlayStation back uh, when that oh, was yeah, the import me too. title. So good. <laughs> those those titles are such classics.
0: They are. They are fantastic. However, I think the more exciting collections are coming after that. They haven't given the exact release time for these yet, but they're supposed to be out this summer. And there is a Castlevania collection and a Contra collection. And so far, only half the tiles have been revealed. We know the Castlevania collection includes Castlevania 1, Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse, Super Castlevania 4, and then the Game Boy game, Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge. Then, over in the Contra collection, we have the arcade version of Contra, arcade version of Super Contra, NES version of Super C, and then at Contra 3, the Alien Wars from the Super NES.
1: Why won't they put the NES version of Contra
0: on one of these? <laughs> I really <laughs> well, don't understand. Well, that is really the big question. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there are still four Castlevania games and four Contra games we do not know about. I mean, I feel like if we were going to get the NES Contra in there, they would have announced it already. But, you know, we can still kind of hold out hope that we're going to get those. I mean, if it were up to me on the Castlevania collection, I would include Simon's Quest, uh, Dracula X, Castlevania Bloodlines, and Castlevania The Adventure Rebirth. Yeah. And then for the Contra collection, I would include the NES Contra, Contra Hardcore, Contra Shattered Soldier, and then Contra Rebirth from WiiWare. Mm. But will we really get any of those or some of those? It remains to be seen. Do you have any uh, choices as to what you would put on there if you uh, had the chance?
1: I'm in agreement with you on that. And for the Contra collection, really all I want to see is a re-release of NES Contra, because that's the one I have the most uh, nostalgia for. And, you know, hasn't inexplicably, really, like, hasn't been re-released
0: anywhere, so... It was last released within Contra 4 for the DS. Mm -hmm. You know, it was an unlockable bonus feature in that. And that was like 10 years ago now. So what the heck are they waiting for? Come on, Konami, let's throw our money at you. (laughs) Seriously. But in addition to uh, all these games, each of these anniversary collections also includes a bonus gallery full of art, production notes, sheet music, all that good stuff. You know, I was a huge Konami fan back in the day. I still think those are some of the best 8 and 16-bit games ever made. So, you know... Even though they might totally disappoint me and leave me in a crying, depressed heap with no NES Contra and no Genesis games and no Rebirth games, I'm still probably all in on these.
1: Yeah, I probably am as well. I wonder who's doing the translations of these, who's doing the ports.
0: Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I did see Hamster doing some retweeting of Konami's announcements, which oh. kind of makes me think it could be them, which, I'll be honest, would be a little bit disappointing because they are not as good as folks like m2 or digital eclipse that's
1: true but their neo geo stuff has been good so i'm okay with that
0: it is just it kind of lacks the bells and whistles i would like from something like this that's true that's true but it could be worse could be worse (laughs) indeed indeed all right that takes care of our news for this week why don't we answer a little bit of listener mail and the letter we have this week comes via Twitter from at Mike Opferman. He writes, I have a question for the pros. If someone wanted to try out a Rogue Light game prepping for Cadence of Hyrule, but had never played one before, which one should I start with? All the ones I watch previews on start off with, it is just plain hard. Even the Chocobo one. So, which one should I begin to play first?
1: I have a suggestion here. Okay. Rogue Legacy on the Switch. This game... I mean, it does get difficult, but it starts off fairly easy, and you will, in in this game, you will die, and you will have to retry everything, but they mix it up and make it fun by, when you die, you are... Sort of reborn as uh, an ant or uh, a descendant. A descendant, yes, descendant. That's the word I was looking <laughs> for of uh, the hero. And uh, you have different effects sometimes uh, mm-hmm. as well. That makes it fun to play through again with different uh, status effects. And you can earn uh, money in the game and level up your character, so you don't die as fast uh, on subsequent playthroughs. And uh, it's really fair and really fun. And the map is divided into, like I think, four central areas. Of course, the layout of the areas are all different each time. But you sort of learn how to approach each enemy encounter uh, each time you go through. And uh, it's really quite enjoyable. It's been out on a lot of different platforms, but Mm -hmm. uh, has been re-released on the Switch and is well worth trying. If you are new to roguelikes, which uh, I was at one point, and Rogue Legacy really got me
0: into it. Okay, cool. I am glad you had that suggestion. I really don't play that genre much myself. I have been playing Remy Lore as of late, and I will say that so far I haven't found the difficulty to be too excruciating. Mm. It does have a lot of nice features in there, like it lets you continue at the beginning of each world instead of sending you back to the beginning each time, and a lot of user-friendly stuff like that. But it also has some pretty bland level design that's kind of keeping me from going back and enjoying it as much as I would like to. So I'm glad to hear that you have a solid suggestion in Rogue Legacy. Thank you very much, CJ. Absolutely. And with that said, I think it is time for us to close up the mailbag and then take an intermission. And then um, you're not going to interrupt me with anything crazy, are you? What? What? (laughs) good no no. what do you mean good good okay yeah pete's not here this week then we will definitely take our intermission and then we come back we'll discuss this week's big topic which is nintendo and indie collaborations All right, we are back and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is Nintendo Indie Collaborations, or more specifically, Nintendo Indie Collaborations that we want to see. As we discussed earlier in this episode, we got the big surprise out of the Nindies presentation that Nintendo is allowing an indie studio to work with the Legend of Zelda IP for the Cadence of Hyrule. From Brace Yourself Games, you know, this is kind of totally unexpected, totally out of nowhere. Something that I never would have possibly imagined them doing just a couple of years ago. Yet here we are, letting an indie studio make their own take on the Legend of Zelda.
1: Yeah, I, I love this uh, sort of freedom that Nintendo has given some indie developers. This is uh, a great precedent that I hope uh, continues in the future.
0: Right. And that's exactly what this week's Big Topic is about. We just started sitting down and thinking about other IPs we would like to see other independent studios tackle. And, you know, some of this stuff is really pie in the sky, probably not likely to happen. But uh, nonetheless, that's what we're going to be discussing for this week's Big Topic. And the first game I would like to suggest would be Wario Land, developed by Yacht Club Games. <laughs>
1: That would be uh, super, super fun. Uh, A side-scrolling Wario Land game, I would assume, uh, very much akin to the Game Boy Color games?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking something like that. I mean, Yacht Club has shown that they really know how to do their platforming, and of course, they really know all about uh, digging up and collecting treasures as well. So for me, it just seems like a match made in heaven.
1: I completely agree with that. I would love to play that game. Please make
0: it. And, you know, Wario often can get different hats and things and learn new abilities, and I would love to see that sort of thing be incorporated into this as well, because, you know, Shovel Knight and his enemies, playable enemies, you know, can get all these different abilities and do all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I just think that would be really, really fun.
1: And, of course, there would have to be a Shovel Knight cameo in that game.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. Why not? Of course. Yeah, they probably have to fight over some treasure. That's right. Who wouldn't love to see that throw down? (laughs) Completely. So uh, that's first on my list. Uh, what about you, CJ? So I'm going to
1: stick on the uh, Wario tip here and go uh, Wario Groove. So Wargroove came out yeah. uh, <laughs> a few, uh, I guess a month ago now. Yeah. More than that. Uh, and I, th- I think a sort of RTS uh, with Wario would be super fun. Of course, Wargroove is sort of Advance war style. Yes, strategy game, and uh, I think, of course, because it's called War Groove, uh, you just uh, (laughs) added some letters in there, and it becomes Wario Groove. And interesting, it would be an interesting genre mashup to have Wario and uh, maybe the characters uh, from from Mega Micro Games uh, come (laughs) along for the ride on uh, such a game. And it could be. Sure, who doesn't
0: want to see Jimmy T out there commanding the troops? Exactly. Could be super fun
1: and, uh, and weird. So I'd love to see something like it that.
0: Definitely sounds very bizarre and very intriguing as well. <laughs> I mean, as for me, yeah, I thought about Chucklefish and Wargroove as well, but of course I went for the low hanging fruit and said, just let them do. Advance Wars.
1: <laughs> well, that's the easy answer, though, right? It is the easy and
0: obvious <laughs> answer, but I mean, come on. People have been making comparisons to Advance Wars ever since Wargroove was first shown, and it seems pretty clear that Nintendo is not doing anything with the IP. They are clearly now open to letting. Indies do stuff with their properties, even if they are heavily used. So, I mean, why not? Why not just make it official? I mean, whether it's DLC add-on to Wargroove or a new crossover game or just a brand new game headed up by the Chucklefish folks, I mean, we know it would be great and we know it should be done. So, you know, that's mm. what I would like to see because it's just been so darn long since we got one of those. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the Warrior Groove idea. I love that, especially the pun. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I went for the low-hanging fruit on that one myself.
1: Yeah, and I, I would totally, totally love an Advance Wars revival
0: in, in any form.
1: But you're right. Yeah. Uh, it, would be, it would be great coming from that developer, too, because they added a lot of fun features and uh, love, would love to see it. So what else you got? Well, uh, sticking on the sort of pun tip, uh, I've got Metroid Lighter in here. So Moonlighter course a game uh, for the switch where you play a shopkeeper that sells items for other adventurers, and then goes out uh, at night and raids dungeons uh-huh. uh, my idea would be uh, do something similar for bounty hunters you open a bounty hunter shop and basically play through metroid style levels and uh, collect uh, items and e-tanks and whatnot or energy tanks and sell them in a shop to other bounty hunters
0: mm-hmm. okay <laughs> very well, interesting do some genre mash up here let's do it Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm not really familiar with Moonlighter. Who is the developer on that one?
1: I don't remember their name, but it's a Zelda-style game. Uh, that you're going through procedurally generated dungeons (laughs) and uh, gathering items and then uh, selling the items that you collect uh, in in your shop and also making items and upgrading your shop and all sorts of things. It's a really fun game, actually, and uh, it's been out uh, on other platforms, came out on Switch recently. It's just really inventive. It's got some cool pixel art. Great animation, and uh, I think that dev would be interesting to see a Metroid-style thing from them or mix Moonlighter with Metroid.
0: Okay, very interesting. Does sound interesting indeed. Of course, I was thinking about Metroid as well. And again, maybe this is the obvious way to go, But, I mean, actually, there's a lot of ways you go with Metroid. I mean, there are so many Metroid-like games out there. And so many of them that are done really, really well that you could probably choose from, you know, a couple dozen developers to make a new Metroid game and it would turn out amazing. But I went with, again, you know, probably an obvious one, Way forward was the one that popped Mm. first into my mind. I mean, ever since Mercury Steam was announced for that Metroid 2 remake, I was thinking, man, if they're going to let an outside developer make a Metroid game, why not way forward? I mean, they are one indie developer that knows about Metroid-style games. They know about beautiful 2D artwork. They have made you know those three Shantae games that were all very Metroid-style. They've done The Mummy Demastered. Yep. And they've done several other Metroid-style titles, you know, the, the Aliens game for DS. And we've seen them all turn out really, really good. I mean, we've also seen them build upon original premises. You know, like they took Contra and made a fantastic Contra game. They took the Boy and His Blob and made an amazing Boy and His Blob game. So we know how well they work with existing game IPs. So for me, it just seems like a match made in heaven to see those guys do Metroid. Like I said, there's tons of options, but I know they would absolutely knock it out of the park. They'd be my first choice for that.
1: I think you're right. And actually, I wrote down. So uh, I, I did this two different ways. I did the sort of title and Nintendo property mashup. Mm-hmm. And then I did the developer and Nintendo title mashup. And way forward, I had Metroid down for them. So I'm right there ah, with
0: okay. you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Two out of two Chris's agree. That's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, what's next for you?
1: All right. So keeping on the pun tip. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Guaca Mania. Oh my! So, <laughs> so Guacamole, of course, from Dr- mm-hmm. Drinkbox Studios, a fantastic uh, Metroid-style game. Uh yes. they've done uh, you know two games with. Drinkbox has done just a. They have a great uh, design sense, and Mole Mania. Of course, a Nintendo IP that uh, has lay dormant since the Game Boy days. Yes, indeed. And that was a fun little sort of puzzle, top-down game. And I <laughs> thought, hey, why not mix that with uh, some luchador uh, action <laughs> and uh, have Mole mania? And really, just for the pun.
0: Well, why not? I mean, if you can put Pikachu in a luchador mask, why not a cute little mole as well? See, that's what I'm
1: saying. That's exactly, exactly it.
0: <laughs> now, I hate to admit, I've actually never played Mole Mania or Guacamele, even though I own like at least two copies of Guacamele and I really want to play it. I'd love to play Mole Mania, but yeah, I have not played either of those yet. I'm, I'm, I'm sad and pathetic. I know.
1: They are such fun games, and Mold they Mania, look great. One of my absolute favorite Game Boy games of all time, and it's uh, just never been revisited, and it's uh, it's so fun. And uh, yeah,
0: I mean, I know it's on Virtual Console. Yep, you should definitely grab it if I haven't already.
1: Yep, that was uh, I grabbed it immediately and played a little bit of that. I love that game. That was the first game I bought on the Game Boy Pocket uh-huh. back, uh, I think it was released the same day as the Pocket, actually, mm-hmm. and had a lot of fun with that one, and Nintendo's just
0: never revisited it, so it's time to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to take your word for it, but all that stuff does look great, and uh, it would certainly be an amusing mashup, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. Well, I will continue my tack of choosing the low-hanging fruit, uh, but I will also continue along your trend of taking a Nintendo IP that has laid dormant for a long, long, long time. And that is, I would like to see someone revisit Ice Climber. Mm. I mean, has anything been done with Ice Climber outside of Smash Brothers since that original game? No. I mean, I know there's like, you know, things here and there and, you know, NES Remix or in WarioWare or whatever, but there's never been an actual Ice Climber sequel. So I was thinking, why not give that property to Matt Makes Games, the <laughs> folks behind Celeste. I mean, there's climbing, there is lots of ice. It just <laughs> seems like a natural fit to me. You know, What better way to bring the ice climbers back into prominence than to pair them up with that developer? Hmm. It just seems too obvious to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that could be really... Really fun. My thought there would be, so Matt Makes Games, I think, is a great match there. But Vlambeer, possibly, too, hmm. uh, could do that. They do fun, really arcadey style games. And, of course, they've got that Bugs game coming. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Maybe there would be something there for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to go the pure arcade direction, I could see that. But if you wanted to really take Ice Climbers to the next level, and, uh, you know, do something sort of different and deeper and more creative with the property. I would really like to see it go in a direction like Celeste. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's a thing where Madeline from Celeste just meets up with the ice climbers on her adventures. Or maybe it's some bonus level type things where you're playing as the ice climbers, you know, trying to catch up with her or something or something like that. But yeah. whether it's, again, a crossover or an all new game, I think they could do something really Cool there, uh, pun intended.
1: I totally agree. And uh, in my list of matching up developers with Nintendo properties, I also had Matt Makes Games down. Uh Because Matt Thorson, uh, I don't know if you had followed him uh, before, but he made a lot of really great levels in Super Mario Maker on the Wii U. Oh, okay. Really prolific designer on (laughs) Mario Maker. It was so good. But I'd love to see Matt Makes Games do a Super Mario Bros. 2 remake like redo and uh see what they could do with with something like that because i think super mario brothers 2 is one of my favorite platformers nintendo has never revisited it obviously Mm, that's true and uh there's a lot that i think could be done with the mechanics in that game and uh stage design and i think uh matt thorson and uh his you know collaborators at matt makes games could do it just an excellent job of it
0: yeah that's a really good idea yeah i mean i kind of Stayed away from Mario. I kept thinking about, oh, who could do Mario? Who could do Mario? But you know, ultimately, I'm like, well, Nintendo does Mario pretty darn well, and decide not to go there. Hmm. But you're right. You know, taking on the ideas from Mario 2 is something that you know really needs to be done, and I think that would be an excellent way to do it.
1: Yeah, I'm still holding that hope for something with Super Mario Brothers 2 mechanics. Yeah, we'll see if that ever happens.
0: Yeah, bring back Wart. Bring I, back Wart.
1: Justice for Wart. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> One. Mario thing did come to mind, though, and once again, here I am with the low-hanging fruit, and that is let Sidebar Games do Mario Golf.
1: (laughs) Of course, the Golf Story developers. Yes, yes, Yes. indeed.
0: And, you know, they have kind of stripped out all the RPG mechanics from the Mario Golf games over the years. Obviously, Golf Story does not do that. It brings them all back to uh, home video golf Mm. like Mario Golf fans would want. So, yeah, you know, just put them together, and make everybody happy. You know, I could totally see, like, the character from Golf Store, like going, you know, you know, dressing up as Mario and going to some Mushroom Kingdom-based course or something like that. Or, uh, again, could be, you know, an all-new, from-the-ground-up Mario Golf game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I think that people would want out of a new single-player Mario Golf experience. So, uh, you know, why not let those guys do it?
1: I completely agree. I would love to see that. I wonder what those guys are working on now.
0: Yeah, whatever it is, it's bound to be cool. Absolutely. So you got anything else?
1: Talking about Mario. Okay. And of course, Mario Party. Hmm. I think you could take Mario Party and the Jackbox Party Pack games Hmm. and do a Mario Box Party Pack kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) The team at Jackbox Games makes just really, really fun party games. I've bought all five of those on Switch, Mm -hmm. and anytime we have a family gathering, We load uh, at least one of those up and play those games. They can be played via mobile phone, actually. Everybody uses that as their controller. Uh And those are always super fun. They have little drawing games, trivia games, and just a unique sense of style. I think it could be fun to do a Mario-themed game from Jackbox. That could be uh, really fun.
0: Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So my next choice... Would be to get the developers of one of my favorite recent indie games, that being uh, Konjak, or Cognac, the makers of Iconoclasts. Huh. And you know, while they would be really good making something like Metroid, the property that I would like to see them work on is Star Tropics. Star
1: Tropics, yes. Yeah. Well, honestly, I never thought Star Tropics was any good. But I think <laughs> I think you could have a game that brought it back and did something with the property that made people sit up and take notice.
0: Yeah, I mean Star Tropics has never quite been the series I wanted it to be but I think in the hands of the right developers it could be something that's really really cool. And you know one of the great things about Iconoclass is that in addition to the regular, you know, platforming and shooting, you also have this wrench that you use for activating machinery and things like that. And I would like to see them make Mike uses yo-yo in the same way to sort of, you know, activate Ah. machines and uses a grappling hook and the kinds of stuff like that, that would really add depth to his adventure. And, you know, I'm not talking about necessarily keeping the same style of gameplay either. Hmm. For some reason, when I think about seeing a retro inspired version of Star Tropics, but you know, a brand new game, I kind of think of something, you know, maybe like Adventure of Link, where it's got not only the overhead world map, like, Star Tropics does have but then shifting to maybe more of a side view version for when you go into the action scenes right. rather than the top down stuff that's in the actual game and of course you know side view side scrolling 2D action is what Iconoclast was all about it was done really well mm-hmm. but it also had this you know really gorgeous rich saturated color palette that felt very tropical and maybe that's sort of the reason that makes me think that these would be a very good match for each other
1: oh that'd be interesting Yeah, I'm surprised neither of us mentioned Game Freak. So Game Freak, obviously the company that does a lot of stuff with Pokemon, but they do their own games as well. And one of the most interesting games they did was called Tembo the Badass Elephant. And it's a Uh, side-scrolling Title. I picked that up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and uh as you were describing star tropics and a star tropics remake you know it'd be interesting to see something uh, like that from game freak game freak does uh, some really unique games that are not pokemon and you know why couldn't nintendo tap them they've obviously already got a close relationship with them i'm sure they would do a, an excellent job at basically anything but i think star tropics would be super interesting from them
0: yeah, that'd be very interesting as well. Hard to go wrong with Game Freak.
1: Yep. Uh, you mentioned Zelda 2. Yes. And I had uh Zelda 2 remake on my list from Yacht Club Games. I think that could be an interesting little mashup. Uh-huh. I think Yacht Club does great work on Shovel Knight. And uh, I think Zelda 2 is one of those games that's sort of divisive in some respects. A lot of people really love it. A lot of people like myself think that it's uh, maybe too difficult. It's got a difficulty (laughs) spike that is a little too high. I've heard that from some people. Evening out and maybe some control issues too there. So uh, have Yacht Club come through and... Do a uh, sort of redo on that or like a reimagining would be super fun. I'd really love to see Nintendo revisit that game because I think it's still a very interesting take on Zelda gameplay to, you -hmm. know, go from the top down thing to the side scrolling more RPG like combat with Zelda 2. But I think the difficulty spike was just too much uh, for me (laughs) back in the day and even now. So uh, I'd love to see that revisited uh, from somebody, Yacht Club or otherwise.
0: Uh, yes, yes. I've actually been thinking of that a lot myself recently, especially with that new uh, Zelda SP that came out yeah. for the uh, Nintendo Switch Online NES Classic selection. Yeah, I'd love to see that game be revisited one way or another. That is for sure.
1: Yeah. I had one more on my list. There was a recent indie game called Ape Out. Oh, uh, yes. This is I love me the, a good ape. This is the lowest of hanging fruit <laughs> I could <laughs> mm. mention. I think I know where this might be going. Which, which Nintendo series might I, uh, mash up with this? Uh, that's right. Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that could be a really fun mashup for no other reason than it's, uh, you know, big ape. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm always down for more big ape games. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, maybe there's a little too much blood and violence in Ape Out <laughs> that Nintendo would be comfortable with. But... That's what
0: I've heard. I can't really see uh, Donkey Kong, you know, <laughs> having too much bloodlust. But uh, I'm certainly all for more gorilla-based action. on this Well, switch.
1: I mean, if somebody takes a stockpile of bananas, anything is possible.
0: I suppose that's true. Yeah. Don't mess with the man's banana hoard. It's true. Yeah, I had one last. Suggestion on my list as well. And this one is Team Cherry, the makers of Hollow Knight, and I would like to see them tackle Kid Icarus. Now, I'm not sure why I feel like this is a perfect matchup. I mean, that's clearly a very talented studio. But you look at Hollow Knight, you see dark, you see Metroid-like. You don't necessarily see something like Kid Icarus that's more you know, in the clouds, angelic, all that stuff. Nonetheless, I feel like they could do something really, really good with that property. I mean, I've always wanted my Kid Icarus games to be more Metroid-like. I mean, ever since that first one came out in that same silver box as Metroid, I kind of expect, oh, here's Metroid with the sci-fi gameplay. Here's Kid Icarus with the fantasy gameplay. But really, they were two very, very different type of games. So I would kind of like to see Team Cherry come in, turn Kid Icarus into a Metroid-style game, and then just, you know, do the cool things they do with the exploration and the combat and the character growth. And while, you know, you think of those dark quarters, oh, those aren't very Kid Icarus-like, I'm sure they could come up with some really cool aesthetic for Kid Icarus. And I do think it would end up being a perfect match.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting uh, matchup there. I would love to play that game. I rented Kid Icarus back in the NES days. Mm-hmm. I never got very far. It's a very difficult game. It is. It uh, is. <laughs> but very fun, and I think uh, it's got a good aesthetic, and I'd love to see it revisited. And obviously, it was on the DS a while back. But uh, would love to see sort of a side-scrolling or vertical-scrolling uh, take on the game again. And Team Cherry, I think, is awesome at what they do. Obviously, I think that they have their hands tied uh, a little bit with more Hollow Knight content. But yes, yes. Uh, for their next thing, if anyone at Nintendo is listening,
0: <laughs> they shouldn't mention this.
1: I think that'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, alternatively, you, know, you could contact D-Pad Studio, who did Owlboy. And obviously, there's a mm. clear correlation there between Owlboy and his flying and Pit and his flying around with the wings um, so that would be good too but uh, again my first choice for that would definitely be team cherry
1: that is true Owlboy took 10 years to develop though so <laughs> might be waiting a while if
0: <laughs> yes there yeah. is that as well yeah anyway that's all i have got for this week's big topic uh, anything else from you nothing else from me well whatever happens from here on out i hope we have not seen the last of nintendo indie collaborations I guess it takes care of this week's big topic, and that means we should probably be wrapping up this week's episode of the podcast. Sounds fantastic. However, before we go, we do have time for one more thing, and that would be, not surprisingly, a dramatic reading. This week, it is the eShop description of the Switch game, Free Cell Battle King. Win by speed in FreeCell. 3,000 questions that can be cleared. Battle play is exciting. Clear speed is the key. Sharing one unit, two switches, or online. Enjoy the fun of competition with FreeCell. The tasks are 3,000 questions. There are Ordinary King Mode and Easy May Mode. Collect the collection by clears to color the game screen. One player is also in Richmond. There is also a mode that you can play easily. Joy-Con or play with touch. Play with your favorite style.
1: That has to be Google Translate,
0: right? (laughs) Uh, it seems likely. (laughs) That's
1: pretty likely.
0: Uh, I don't really know what FreeCell is. Uh, Are there actually questions in FreeCell? I don't think so.
1: Isn't Free cell like a type of, not type of solitaire. Or yeah, like, I'm
0: pretty sure it's a card game or a puzzle game. I don't think it has any questions, let alone 3,000 of them.
1: It's like one of those free games that old people play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this is one that you can play in King Mode or May Mode. Or I don't know that I want to. Something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know that I, 3,000 questions? Is that what 3, it 3,000
0: questions. I have no idea. Oh, no. No idea neither. at all. Me neither. Oh, well what you gonna do
1: (laughs) look at the screenshots I guess try to figure it out from there Eh. not play it definitely not that
0: no okay well that does it for this week as always you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com and you can follow us at powerprospod on both facebook and twitter you can follow me the Hoff on twitter at chris the Hoff and you can find cj at superpack with a c you can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com and if you like the podcast it would be great if you told your friends about us thanks for listening everybody for myself chris johnston keep playing with power and our good friend bald bull shaker the sugar shaker the sugar we will see you next time